Hello and welcome back to the Hillbrook School Podcast. My name is Bill Selleck. I'm our Director of Technology and we are having a one-on-one talk with Martine. Martine, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. So tell us, who are you? What do you do here at Hillbrook? All the things. All the things. All right. So my name is Martine, as you all know, and I work in the Hub. I'm the design and making teacher and pretty much, you know, help kids get their dreams out and creatively make stuff and you know push the envelope and what they're doing and I love how, make it. how casual you are you're like I just help kids get their dreams out <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not something just like you know that's like that's amazing that's extraordinary and with the pressure teachers feel to pack in every minute of school as a learning minute and a curriculum minute and covering the curriculum like there's so much pressure for that just to hear you casually say, like, just help kids you know, get their dreams out in the world. <laughs> like, that that just, like, made my week. That is a beautiful thing. And that is that is more rare than I think you understand. Is it? Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, for me, it's, like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work mentally. You know, like, you know, you have the stresses of, you know, all the teacher stuff that we do. But, yeah, it's, for some reason, I think I've nailed down the process of helping them get along and punching that out that's awesome well and and part of this like i'll I'll kind of wear more the teacher hat in this part Mm -hmm. um paths to working at hillbrook look pretty different and that's one of the things i love about hillbrook school you didn't go through and get a teaching credential and like i want to teach something i wonder what i want to teach you actually have you're like a craftsman you're a deep maker let's talk about that you make these wallets that are gorgeous Oh, thank you, Bill. Yeah, so let me give you a little bit of a background on that, actually. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit far back, but... Yes, do it. Since since I was a kid in, like, you know, kindergarten, first grade, I always said when I grow up, I want to be a designer. And through the years, I didn't really quite understand what design was or what being a designer is. And later on in years when I was, like, at, in college, I thought it was engineering. Oh, and they, they shifted me into mechanical engineering and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to go take these classes and I'm going to get to design. Well, I was in mechanical engineering and it turns out it was too much math and I didn't understand what I was doing. And I was like really bored and really like dissatisfied with where I was in life. And one day I went into the counseling office at Mission College, which is where I was doing all the classes. And... I talked to the counselor. I'm like, yeah, you know, I I thought engineering was design, like drawing or planning and stuff. And he's like, uh, it is, but it's more like getting technicalities out. It's more like technical. And I was like, no, that's not that's not what I really want to do. And I said, well, he's like, describe what you want to do. I'm like, yeah, like design products, make things. And he's like, oh, let me let me look that up and be see what I can find, and San Jose State had the industrial design program, which was quite small, and I was trying to figure out, like, should I, do I go there, or, but I mean, it fit the bill, so, of course, Bill, (laughs) 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 and, uh, and I went, and, yeah, it took me four years to get a bachelor's in industrial design, and I will say that I had a lot of fun doing that. It really brought back a lot of my 
growing up. So I grew up in Santa Cruz and I was always like outdoorsy and stuff. And it was actually the first time that I felt like I had found my path and I mm. had aligned with what I was meant to do. And it was I was very successful in school. Like I, I developed my own style. Um, teachers knew if, if I drew something or they saw a drawing, they knew that was mine. It was very distinct. And when I graduated, I did a wallet for a project that it was, the class I think was like making it or something. That's what it was called. And we had to develop a product, figure out how it was made, learn about, you know, the process of how much it cost, how much would I have to sell it to make some money. And from there, like I really delved into the idea that I could, you know, make something and sell it instead of just going, graduating and going straight into a corporate job. And as I did that, it was quite, um, how do I describe it? I felt like I could, um, I don't know, eat the world. I could conquer the world. And I was full of dreams and, uh, and um, somewhere along the way, I realized it wasn't all just, you know, the beautiful things you see on TV or movies where you you make a product and you think it's going to be successful and you're going to like, you know, make this make big name for yourself and all that. Uh, it turned out I learned that the hard way and it really impacted me as far as how I started to make things. And it kind of made me look at it like it had to be profitable, but it had to look good and at the same time be affordable for everyone because what I realized was that a lot of the more expensive products were unreachable to many. So, oh, that's really interesting. So for me, uh, I focused a lot on aesthetics, and it seems that the style that I developed in school I brought forth in my wallets, which are actually kind of unique in that I mix wood and leather and sometimes metal. So it kind of set the tone for the brand. So the brand's called Austri. Give a shout out. How do people find it? Uh, Austri-studio.com or yeah. at Austri Studio on Instagram. Yeah. And it's O-S-T-R-I? O-S-T-R-I. Yeah. It's a great follow on Instagram. And the thing is that the name actually came out of the word ostrich. Oh, interesting. Tell yeah. me more. So before, before I started Austri, I was thinking when I was in school, trying to find out what I was going to do right after I graduated. I was like, I'm going to design shirts. And ostriches are cool, and I'm going to, you know, make them funky, and they're going to be like these little, like, I don't know, little drawings that you put on a shirt, and it's going to sell. And I got some, which is funny, I got some negative backlash on that at school from friends. But, see, this is the thing where I think if you believe in something and you don't let all that noise kind of trap you and you push forward with it. Yeah, yeah then everything else doesn't matter. And I think dreams and working towards what you want. A lot of people were a little bit negative with that. And I pushed through and I did what I did. And I think I'm happy where I am now. And how I got to Hillbrook, which <laughs> leads me to another thing where... Well, before we do that, like, mm -hmm. it's fascinating. I've n I never got to hear the full Martine backstory. 
so much of that informs the teacher you are and the facilitator you are in the hub. And we're going to get to that when we talk about help the Hillbrook engineering learning program. And when we jump into your version of shark tank with students, because it's, what was the, what's, this has got to be like the pull quote from the episode. You're like, I just, you know, I just, what, what did you say? You're like, I just, you know, help, help kids. kids make their dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> no, no big deal. Just help kids make their dreams come true. And that, that is such a beautiful thing. And I can see how you've gotten to this point. I just texted you a screenshot. What you were really describing is, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on it. It's a Japanese word, ikigai. Have you heard of this? Oh, no. First so, time. So take a look at that. I'm going to explain to the, the listeners while you look at this. I'm just throwing this at you cold. It's um, a Venn diagram with four circles. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that ikigai is in the, the center of it. And so depending on, on if you Google this, it's I-K-I-G-A-I. Depending on which diagram you're looking at, it's some version of, here's the four buckets, what you love, what you're good at, what what you can get paid for, and what the world needs. Mm. And if you can find those four things, you know, I I think it's, it's easy to find like what you can get paid for, but I think a lot of people get stuck on that and then get afraid, you know, particularly living and working in California, like it's, it's hard to, to right. make ends meet, right? Mm-hmm. Finding what you love. I think a lot of people dance around that. And then partially through high school, partially through just being an adult, I think that kind of gets beaten out of you a little bit. And you're like, oh, well, I, I shouldn't be my full self. Right. Right. Like right. I, I need to, like, this is what being an adult looks like and sounds like. Correct. And so I think a lot of what makes each human special kind of gets dulled down to kind of fit in to be like this is this is adult mm-hmm. you know and i heard of some of that kind of through your stories like you you found this style you found what you loved and if we if we look at that image you know you found what you loved you found what you're good at and then what you were describing you're like and i think this is kind of what the world needs and then you were dancing around with your wallets around like what you can get paid for or not and that kind of what you thought it would be and what it really is right right yeah it's it, it's fascinating and I, I see that pop up particularly around design and making in the hub in our makerspace is, uh, you know, it's, it's a space where I think more than anywhere else on campus, kids are expected to fail. Right. And that's, I mean, that's really what learning is, right? Mm-hmm. Like you right. fail and fail and fail and then you get it. And then ideally you start practicing the getting it part. You know, I, I think one of the lessons I've learned with music is that so many people practice until they get it right. And they're like, cool, let's move on. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, no. You've gotten it right once. Right. <laughs> now let's practice <laughs> it again and again and again. Um, and I think there's so much expectation, particularly for us as adults with kids, of like, this is how I learned, this is what learning looks like, mm-hmm. that you have to like get it right. And if you get it wrong, that's bad. And right. that's a lot of the problems with traditional grading is that you get graded on your attempts, on your <laughs> learning like you learn it, right. you like the goal of learning is you don't know it. And the goal is to learn it and then practice knowing it, mm-hmm. you know, and this is what I love with our upper school, that it's competi- competency based grading. You're not getting oh. letter grades, you're demonstrating your learning. And the expectation built into grading is that you're going to start off knowing almost nothing about it. Right. And you're slowly going to get Brett better. And as you get better, you're demonstrating that again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And then you've got it, right? That, that's the beauty of competency-based grading. And I think that's so 
tightly aligns with the type of learning that you're facilitating in the hub. Pretty much. Yeah. Like I think, yeah, if I told you that the many times I failed getting to where I'm at and just even doing the business, it's, yeah, failure a lot of the times is looked down on. Like, it's like even if you mess up once, like you're out, you, you can't do that idea, right? And many of the kids that come into the hub, um, I kind of give them that environment where I want you to explore and I want you to fail and I want you to see things that many other people would have turned away from because you fail and let's say I have an idea and I fail at that idea. They're automatically like, nope, that idea is out. There's no, there's nothing there. Interesting. Keep going. And I tend to keep looking at it and trying to make that idea work. And then other ideas pop out of that failure that people consider a failure. And you get to go to these really cool conceptual places. And for it's kids... A, you're describing a journey. Yeah, it's a yeah. journey. Yeah, like it's it's incredible how much of these, like these journeys we do with designer making something that we just kind of shut out the bad ideas or what other people tell us are bad ideas. And we're like, oh, well, yeah, maybe he's right. Um, I shouldn't pursue this because... It, it's not going to work. But I think the challenge in that is how can you make that work? And I think that's where I really kick in where even in school it was it was kind of looked at a little bit of not the right process. Like when you start out in the design process, you're supposed to research, then make stuff. I go in with a blank mind. Like let's say design a, I don't know, design a, a spoon or something and then I wouldn't start right away with the research. I would start away with, okay, what does the word mean to me? What, does, um, what do I think a spoon looks like? Uh, maybe it could be used this way. It could be held this other way. Once I have my ideas out, like I kind of just let everything out based on the word or what, I, what I'm supposed to make, then I delve into the research because then I understand, okay, well, this is why some of these ideas were kicked out. And... Now I can really pinpoint where I want to go with the ideas that I think are conceptual and try to tie them in and bring them into reality. And I think that's a very hard thing to do. A lot of people just have a hard time grasping that idea. But it's like if a kid draws a fridge and it has eyes, which they have. <laughs> and Wait, fridge have eyes? Yeah, they draw monster fridges. Great. <laughs> I thought you were saying that fridges do have eyes. No. <laughs> And it's like you look at the drawing and they draw this fridge and it's a monster and it eats stuff. Okay, you put food in it, right? But then it's like, okay, why does it have eyes? Why does this drawing have eyes? And how do we translate that into the real world? Maybe this fridge has eyes because it wants to see you. You're coming at it and you're going to get some sort of food out of ice cream or something and it needs to chill it down or prepare it. This would translate in the real world to maybe we use cameras, camera seat. Oh, interesting. So yeah, these yeah. drawings that are very like conceptual monsters or whatever, it just turned into a fridge with a camera. What can we do with a camera? It can see you approaching the fridge. It can chill down the ice cream as you're approaching. That's an idea in itself. That's something that's viable and can be done. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing you and I could like riff on this for the next hour. It <laughs> yeah. be like a very boring <laughs> podcast 45 minutes <laughs> in, but you could. And so the idea of, um, of taking that kernel and, and being like, what if, instead of just being like, nope, it's you know, a, yeah. I also think this is really the challenge of getting away from learn by textbook, mm -hmm. 
you know, Correct. so I don't know that you and I have ever talked about it. My first years of college, I was a materials engineer. Ooh. And it got to the point where I kept asking, like, what? Oh, I didn't keep asking. Like, it made it sound like I was such, like, <laughs> a creative student. In mm-hmm. some ways, I was. Uh, but that's not the point. It was just, like, <laughs> I never understood what the point of it was. You know, and you talked about this in your mechanical engineering journey. And so much of the reason I would get, either implied or directly, was, well, that's the next page in the textbook. I was like, right. well, that's, that's a really bad motivation for me we're learning this because it's the next page it's the next chapter yeah you know mm-hmm. and, and i remember i ended up getting through calculus four like i loved the idea of math and and like i could really figure out like the next page in the book i was very good at like the the that style of of learning which mm-hmm. is most of school most of traditional school and the professor said we're going to spend about a month working on one problem and this can't exist in the real world but if it could and it can't, but if it could, what would the answer be? And I was just like, <laughs> I am out. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, this is this is before, as my kids would call it, this is in the 1900s. <laughs> just barely, but it is in the 1900s. Before, like, I mean, laptops were, like, brand new. The idea that you would have a computer in your pocket forever mm-hmm. or that you could design an app, like, the idea of, of designing your own application was, was like, so far so far out of the scope of possibility mm-hmm. that it, it wasn't like there was no connection, but you know, like I, I wish they had said in the 1900s <laughs> to be technical <laughs> and fair and accurate, like this, this actually helps you like develop computer programs or something, mm-hmm. you know, you could actually take an idea and use this math to develop like a really complicated or tailored computer program. And even that, I would have been like, that's so far outside the scope of possibility. Mm-hmm. I might have just been like, I'm out of it. And that's why I switched to music, because I knew what, why I practiced, why I learned the thing. It was like immediately applicable, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's part of why I continue to be drawn to the hub, is because like there's a lesson and you get, it's tangible. You can see right. or hear or like interact with the thing in a way that like a one month long math problem, like, admittedly <laughs> didn't exist like could not exist in the world right you know it's it's so wild um so let, let's jump into like shark tank give us like a quick overview of what shark tank is i think most people understand the basic scheme how does that apply to a makerspace so shark tank was brought about because i a lot of kids the year before were coming in and they had these great ideas that they would pitch to me and they're like, oh, can I make this in class? Can I make this? You know, I'm like, yeah, like come in during Open Hub. And this year, Open Hub is like, you can come into the makerspace, you can make a thing, mm-hmm. pretty out, much outside, anything. like during lunch after school, pretty much. Yeah. Great. So we, I would help them develop it or help Great. them make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year, I was like, okay, well, what would be a, a good club? And I'm like, okay, well, I looked at Shark Tank, and I was looking at an episode, and I'm like, oh, this would be a great idea for kids to really just make something and pitch it and kind of see if it's a viable thing. And it's weird. I had a, I had a mixed group of kids for the club. It was like fifth, fifth up to eighth graders. And when I introduced the idea, I told them pretty much, you know, watch an episode of Shark Tank, uh, develop, invent something, and you're going to pitch it, and we're going to see, you know, how much, like, fake money you can get from these judges right here or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And... 
it really divided the class, which I was a little bit surprised because a lot of the younger kids had that imagination, like creativity just flowing out of them. Like they just wanted to do something and like the idea was fun and all that. The older kids were a little bit more kind of closed off, which is like I didn't expect that. I thought they would be a little bit more... Like they're not down to pitch the idea? Yeah, like they really were like, oh, I'll be a judge or I don't don't think I have anything to contribute. Mm. Um, And yeah, all the little kids were like, you know, ecstatic. They would come in and just like, oh, yeah, let me let me build this thing. And, you know, I'm going to pitch it and I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm like, OK, go right at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, we had we had it. So like one kid invented a little survival box and, you know, he would like it would you would turn the crank and it would power on all these little things on it for like if you were out stuck in the wilderness. There was another one which was just a simple like iPad holder for your bed. And I told him, like, I think there's some out there. Like, take a look at what's out there and see how you can make yours different or how can you innovate it. This already exists. This is not a new Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, yeah, check them out and, like, you know, make it better. You know, you could do that. And the other one was... Which, by the way, is great feedback. Like, great idea. Already exists. Make it better. Make it better. It's like the sponge, right? Like the, what is it, the, the GoDaddy sponges. There were a million sponges already. Okay, I don't know yeah. these. Is it? Is it go? What is it? Uh, what is GoDaddy's the. Oh, web GoDaddy's hosting. the website. Wait, wait. Yeah. Uh, what's it they called? They used to have the deeply um, sexist ads. Oh. <laughs> no, what's the GoDaddy, it? With Daddy the sponges? Scrub, uh, it's okay, but there's Scrub Daddy. Scrub Daddy. There there's, a, there's a different sponge. Yeah. So this <laughs> one. Yeah. So if you add, I think cold water, it gets a rougher texture, and if you add hot water. It like softens up so you could clean different plates and all that and i told him i'm like look the sponge was it's been around for ages and no one thought you could reinvent the idea of a sponge and they did and i showed them that clip on shark tank and they were like oh like really like you could make something better i'm like yeah exactly you could take something that already exists make it better and yeah they went at it they they did all that and I realized along the way that it was it wasn't as ideal for a club simply because of the time that we had together. So I kind of this is where help comes in. Yeah, yeah. that's an acronym. So it's the Hillbrook Engineering, Engineering Learning um, program. program. There it is. And um, yeah, see, I should have known that. But <laughs> you always call it help. Help. Yeah. 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 And, what does that um, stand for? <laughs> and um, and yeah. So I I took Shark Tank out and kind of wanted more in a class setting, and which probably the fourth graders will get to do later this year or the late next year since we're pretty close to the end of this year. And it's and, and it became like yeah, let's let's help out around campus. Let's take the creative minds and really put them to the test. Like here it's, there's a, there's a restriction here where now you have to design for someone else. It's not just for you. Like, oh, let me just invent something. Yeah. Well, and people can request things. Right. Yeah. yeah. So now, yeah. So we had like, I think 13 requests and some of the kids right now are working on it like every Tuesday during club. And, and it's an extended lunch. Yeah. So they get like kind of just under an hour to to, to eat food, out. hang out, mm-hmm. and work on a task. Give us mm-hmm. some examples. 
So, like, right now, uh, some of them are working on... Well, they're, one of them is making a mailbox for Miss Joan. And they're painting it. They're cutting it out. They planned it out. Well, there's like a pl- on the, they're a team. They're working in teams. And they're planning it out. They get the colors. They go talk to the teacher, ask them what their specs is. And they come back, build it. And eventually, they're going to deliver the final product probably either next week. And then there's also, like, just simple, like, oh, can I get some pillows? And, you know, they got two kids that are working on pillows. And there was also another one. It go, it varies. Like, there's even just helping out at the library. Like, it, it really, it, it covers a lot of areas. Uh, it doesn't just have to be like, oh, I'm going to build a product for you. or But even just clever solutions where some teachers were like, can you design something that I can take with me, like a sign that when I'm out, and like sitting on the random table it could like kind of show that i'm available to talk like counseling so yeah it's it's been really interesting to see the many ideas that the kids get they just draw it out and they're just planning it and they go on about their day and make it i love that i also like the the one thing i continue to be stuck on is that design process Mm -hmm. with students to go from like there's like what you just described is like that's a lot for students. So often, um, and this is a story here from a ninth grader when they were doing their immersives, mm-hmm. the first two weeks of school, they were out in the city looking at like civics in action. So they're interviewing like uh, our congressional representative Zoe Lofgren, and then oh, at night okay. they're making a video reflection about it. And then after two weeks of that, the third week of school for ninth grade immersives was put it together and either give us like a TED style talk, make a documentary or make a podcast episode. And I was talking with a ninth grader and they were like, this is, this is really hard. This is exhausting. Like, can we just get a textbook and do like normal boring school? That's easy. And, and they went on to say some version of like, when it's just kind of normal school work, my brain's kind of at 30% capacity and I can just like do the homework and be done with it and get on with my day. But like now, like this is, this is hard. Like my brain's at a hundred percent and I'm like, deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'll give you like the empathetic answer and then the teacher version, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's really hard. Hang in there. Like, you know, we're asking a lot of you. Right. And the teacher version is like, yes, yes. (laughs) Like you to, to just have this experiential learning mm-hmm. ratchet your brain up uh, whatever they're all imagined percentages but like triple the amount of like brain power required from 30 to 90 percent or 100 or whatever um, is amazing and so what you just described is that type of experiential learning and if if you get a math problem wrong on a worksheet whatever mm-hmm. like that's wrong and a teacher will circle it or correct it or talk with you or whatever but if you get math wrong when you're laser cutting <laughs> Right. Oh, it mm-hmm. does not work. Right. You know, if you're like a quarter inch off and you're trying to build like a box with finger joints that fit together, um, it just it won't fit. It right. won't work. It's like this doesn't work. So just getting a prototype that works is extraordinary challenging. It asks so much of students. Mm-hmm. The part I struggle with is like that is like the first draft. And if we go back to you looking at your wallets, you're like, you know, you tried different things and just getting that first draft is so much work. So the very first version of help, 
mm-hmm. was I think in 2017, mm-hmm. um, our first hub engineer, Shay Ellerson, came up with the idea, and it was her acronym. And we have our tube counter. We we spend a lot of effort and, and focus, um, not all of us, but a, a small group of administrators around managing our traffic. Mm. This is why we have green participation <laughs> days, and we're not going to get into uh. that. <laughs> but as you come into Hillbrook, mm-hmm. there's two rubber tubes you go over. Right. And so every week, um, I, I unscrew a, uh, a cap hmm. and plug in a computer and grab the tube data. Well, this cap is really hard to get to. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is, this is a small thing in life. But every week, I'm like, I'm like scratching up and cutting up like my knuckles and my fingers mm-hmm. and like that spark like your, where your cuticles are. Like that would, every week, it would get like scratched and it, it, it hurt. And I was just like can someone give me like a a cap extender and it has little ridges on it that help you like twist it off. It's the size of just a little bit bigger than a quarter maybe, but it's like an inch deep and it needed to be like two or three inches deep because I'm shoving my hand into Mm -hmm. this metal casing. And so it's like help, like literally help help (laughs) break engineering learning program. Mm -hmm. Give me like an extension thing. And so I got one and they're like, here you go. Done. And this was at this time I was an elective semesters over check the box, and I was like sweet. And I went to put it in, and it was didn't not f- the right didn't size. fit <laughs> did not fit did not fit. And I was like, so thanks. Bye. First draft <laughs> like just and they they three D printed it. So just getting a three D printer to work a lot of work, mm-hmm. designing a cap to all those specs like a lot of work and effort. Um. And just did, but, but didn't work. Right. And so, like, this is actually a story our school has told before of, like, because that learning process, that empathy bit, everything you've described so far, amazing, asks a lot of students, but it didn't work. Right. Yeah. So then I actually took their design in Tinkercad, tweaked it a little bit, got my first draft, didn't work, got my second draft, almost worked, but as it turns out, the cap is not a perfect circle. So then I took a heat gun, <laughs> melted it, shoved it on, and then when it cooled, it stuck. And then I just kind of put, like, rubber cement or, like, I don't Is know, super glue or something <laughs> around it. And it's just permanently on there. And so now when I go in, I can untwist that cap, which, again, is, like, a very small thing. But, like, it makes a difference. Like, it these are the small things that really, really help. So I wonder, and I don't know if there's an answer, but I wonder what kind of the next step is where, like, we build the stamina for design where it's like you do all of that. And I think maybe it's just what school is. Like school is like do the thing and you're done with the thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not real life. Like that's not what you do with your wallets. Right. That's like that's the first step. That's Yeah, I think in the way that I'm trying to teach it, like even last year, um, I tried to this sometimes – the design process is a lot. Like, there's so many steps. There's so many technicalities. There's, you know, colors. There's material. There's how materials work with each other. Well, and you're describing so many disciplines, too. There's, a, Yeah, you wear yeah. a lot of hats. Yeah. yeah, like, even just running a business, you wear b- bajillion hats. But it's... I, what I've learned, at least even now that I'm trying to, like, teach it, is I let the kids, like, I give them, I kind of hit them, like, really quickly, like, oh, okay, you got to do this. I, I wrote the steps here. You got to fill it in, right? They go in, okay, my name, you know, what am I doing? Okay, what do I need to do? The specs. 
and then the steps that are required to get there. So, like, I need a measuring tape. Right? And what they don't realize, like, even last year I had kids making a, a wallet. Um, and they they went on, like, I had them cut out the pattern, and I had them do a branding, come up with a logo, all that. And at the end, like, close to the end, I, I sat down with each one of them, and I asked them, like, okay, well, what did you learn? They're like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I made a thing, and I'm like, okay. So you, you think you haven't learned anything? It's like, I don't think I've learned anything else, like a lot, right? And then I started going through the process, and I'm like, okay, well, you made a thing, you designed it, you, you got a color scheme, you got a brand in it. This is, this is what people get paid to do. And you don't realize it because I've disguised it as very lightly. You're you're having fun learning, but you yeah, don't yeah. you don't. It doesn't hit them until I tell them you did all these things, and 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 look, you can do it. I didn't have to hold your hand and like tell you do this tomorrow. I need this by next week. I just let them run with the idea, and without them knowing they were doing exactly what the design process is. And I think that's one thing where I try to disguise a lot of that so it doesn't come off as, you know, oh, we got to do this boring step or they're like, oh, I got to take measurements. No, just kind of put it all in there and we scramble it up. We figure it out. And then at the end, we go over the steps and you went over all these steps without realizing and you came to an end product. And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, there was one kid that he did that and it gave him the confidence like over summer he he made his own brand he does uh, candles oh that's so cool. he was very inspired and he wrote me like at the beginning of this year he brought me a candle and he wrote me a nice note and he's like thank you for helping me get inspired to make my own business because confidence wise like there's there's a need for us to really push them and like let them know you can do it i did it i didn't know i was going to make a business go ahead like i just gave you the skills that i use and here you go and he went and did his candles they're called manly candles which is cool and yeah i just bought him one the other day too because i was like you know support young artists and like i told him you try the ideas you may fail you may not you're going you're to fail or you're going is, to fail yeah it's, it's how catastrophically <laughs> you may fail a tiny bit right yeah, a little bit but you could always get back up right and it just depends how quickly you you um, you kind of like understand what what made you fail first, and then kind of try to correct it and move on. That's and yeah, just try to disguise all that in in what how to do design and make stuff that you know just have a, a fun process, and then we'll we'll recap. And there you go, you did it without really kind of hammering down what you needed to do. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if this is maybe where the eighth grade social impact leadership SIL mm -hmm. project might stem from. Maybe that that's one of the answers of my questions of there's all these different designs and projects students have done along the way. And then that big bucket of time in eighth grade is a chance to like maybe have a new thing, but also maybe take the one thing like, oh, I designed I designed the candle. I designed the the, mm. the wallet thing like maybe this is a chance to go deeper into that and see like how can I make a thing that I love that I'm kind of good at, that I'm going to be good at, mm -hmm. um, something the world needs, and then not necessarily something that makes money, but, like, you know, what does the world need? Right. You know? Yeah, like, and that, for me, it's kind of weird saying this. I, 
didn't when I started I never really focused on the profit I always focused on what I love doing and then you know I kind of let the money kind of take care of itself you're a teacher and, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and it's kind of like yeah it's it's a little bit weird that i i don't l- later i learned i'm like oh yeah we need to make a, like i need to make a profit right but it's it's interesting that even like even now like i still first thing is what i love doing second is i'll figure out how to make a profit I yeah I, I learned when i was doing music full-time i cannot um <laughs> give a CD to PG&E and say, like, I'm not going to pay you electricity, but here's a song I just wrote. <laughs> yeah. You know, and when people talking about, you know, like getting music for free back when like Napster was a thing. Oh. Like, well, I just want music for free. It's like, well, I want electricity for free. Right. That doesn't happen. So like, yeah, yeah. I was, I was similar where I was like, I care about the thing. But yeah, yeah. but then yeah. there's a financial aspect where you yeah. got to consider, you have to have it there. Yeah. Well, so as we wrap up, um, where might people find some of these things like Hillbrook art show. Can they just pop into the hub and see like examples of this? Do they wait for their kids to, to be doing a hub class and then get stuff brought home? How can people learn more? Uh, well, we have some examples in the hub and some of the kids projects during like a collective, they will, I'll probably have it in class till the end of the elective when it ends and then they'll, they'll take it home. But yeah, really, like there's there's a couple examples that I have saved still there that people can come in and check out. Mm-hmm. And then they, they'll pop up in some ways in the Hillbrook Art Show towards the end of the year. Some, Yeah, some yeah. of them last year did, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. look forward to that. That's great. Yeah, and then Clara was actually making, uh, our hub director was, has been doing these um, maker fairs. Oh, yes. Do we have any more of those coming up? Do we get to plug um, the future ones or do we just talk about what we've already done? I think we only th- we're gonna plug in some for next year, which I'm oh, hoping yeah. to do because uh, in quarter four of next year, I'm hoping to do a, a leather workshop okay. class, oh, and then very cool. maybe very cool. it might shift into a makers. Okay. Yeah, also well, uh, a few Saturdays and Sundays over the last month. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't get to plug it. This isn't like I was like, oh, we're gonna put the perfect bow on it, and coming <laughs> up, no, we have already done it. Um, <laughs> But our students, I know because I have a fifth and sixth grader, and they both went mm-hmm. and, and had a booth, and they were selling things, and it went to a various nonprofits around the Bay Area, like Vegulution. Um, and it's by Salt and Straw, downtown Los Gatos. Mm-hmm. I forget the old town, town, town something. Center or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. old town center sounds about right. Um, yeah, so maybe we're coming back there. Maybe you already saw us. That's a great way to, to see that. Custom puzzles, custom earrings, all kinds of really interesting design things. So mm-hmm. that's that's another place people can maybe see it. All the, so. Yeah, there's a lot to see there and you know, makers makers market, that's where that's where I started. I was like, hey, we need to do some. So <laughs> that that all came about. Awesome. Well Martine, thank you so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All and right. I'll see you later. I'll see you later. Peace.